2020. Welcome to 2020. The future. Feels good to be in the future. I uh, So I was the first one in Tiny Seed, I think, to enter 2020 because I'm in Europe. <laughs> so right. I, I posted like a hello from 2020 message in there and Brian was like, how is it there do you have flying cars <laughs> <laughs> nope nope just cars that come when you press a button on your phone yeah i don't know about that <laughs> though i got a nice upgrade uh over the holidays bmw when i was visiting denmark oh. so that helped oh very nice yeah, yeah. Sounds so cool. how was your holiday you look like you had some cool stuff going on yeah uh it was a little bit, little bit different in the sense that we didn't have a lot of folks over at the house, which we normally do. We're normally ground zero for all of our um, family gatherings over the holidays. But instead, we, we the people who normally get together at our place here in Austin, Texas, we decided to get together in uh, Whistler, British Columbia, Canada. And looked amazing. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. Um, the weather was. For skiing purposes, the weather was, um, I guess, get the bad news out of the way. The weather was the worst in 10 years for skiing purposes. But the good news is is that except for me and my brother-in-law, everybody else is a a total beginner skier. And for them, it was like, it was way more than enough. Um, It was snow. (laughs) It was snow, yeah. Like, Like a bad day in Whistler for a beginner skier is still way more than you need because you're just going on the bunny slopes. So... So that was fine. And then um, even for me, it was great. I got to ski with the family for the first time. And my son did three days of ski school. And by the last day, he was actually uh, up there in the mountain skiing with me um, very bravely on some of the uh, harder greens and blues even, which was pretty good uh, for, a, for a young man. So I was uh, really excited for a young man with three days of skiing experience. So um so we all had uh, we all had fun anyway, and uh, it was great. It was kind of a a bucket list event for me because I've always wanted to do the rent the rent the lodge on the mountain and share it with friends and family. It's one of my core values is bonding experiences like that and travel. So it felt really good to do it. And as I was telling you before we started recording, <laughs> I managed to unplug to to an extent that I haven't done in a long time which um was almost scary it was like the not only am i unplugged i feel unmoored like not sure if this boat is anchored at all right now (laughs) (laughs) unable to plug back in yeah just not able to find that i've got the plugs dangling in my hand and i don't even know where to plug it in now that i'm back can't find the cord yeah like killed all the desire like not with a bang but you know, with a whimper, it was like, <laughs> I, oh yeah, I didn't check anything on my phone today at all. Like before I go to bed, let me just check a few things. Like it was that level of unplugged where I just forgot about everything. Just, I gotta say it was weird not talking to you every day. Cause that's what we do normally. <laughs> and honestly, there's going to be a little, uh, I don't know if this is going to be too bromancy, but like, <laughs> I, I, I remember, um, when I started dating Maya, I remember we talked about how she was now my primary person. Yeah. But like, you're becoming my primary business person, man. You're like, you're the first person I talk to whenever yeah. something happens in the business right now. Mm, yeah. No, it's it was- kind of weird. That's almost not talking to you for two weeks, honestly. Yeah. Well, there, there's the symptom of being completely unplugged. Uh, there's the evidence. So yeah. You never want to go back to, to that again. <laughs> I was like, uh, well, I guess I should leave a quick yeah or uh-huh. <laughs> Thumbs up, man. <laughs> Thumbs up. All, all my responses went from paragraphs to emojis. You didn't worry about my psychology at all while you were skiing? No, I knew you were, I knew you were enjoying that mulled wine and you were doing your Q1 planning. <laughs> I, I, You know, you were wound up and ready to go. And I didn't oh, – yeah. the training wheels were off. So I was like, he's got this. He's, he's got yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed your trip. It yeah, looked amazing from the pictures. Kind of jealous. Yeah, it was uh it was great. I, I I need to be near mountains more and we'll figure out how to do that going forward. But um yeah, back in Austin now and going to an event tonight uh to speak about fundraising strategy to a group of startups along with a, a venture 
uh, person at Capital Factory, which is the accelerator here. And so I'll be fully engaged 24 hours from now and plugged in once again, <laughs> for better or worse. So Nice. Yeah. That's cool, man. How about you? Oh, yeah. Had a quiet start to the new year, the new decade. <laughs> I was We're spending a lot of time in the cabin in Denmark, and I was kind of hoping for some snow. Usually we don't get too much snow around Christmas. Usually if we get snow, it's like January, February. Um, but it would have been nice. Um, yeah, I must say it's also good to be back in the more civilized setting here. Yeah. Don't have to get up with my headlamp and chub wood in the mornings. And <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you're you're back in civilization. Yeah, not, not I was really joking not. on Twitter that the previous decade started with me having an emergency landing on a plane in the Sinai Desert. Um, wow. Yeah, and I was hoping for a more quiet start to uh, <laughs> 2020, but I don't know. I That's was worried that I jinxed ask. it. Yeah. <laughs> Because I did have to fly to get back home. Yeah, well, it's a reasonable ask, and uh, it seems like it's everyone's safe and sound, so that's good. Yeah. Cool. So you and know what you're doing with this startup that you have? I think so. Well, um, a lot of things is going to happen, at least. I um, I just made someone an offer based on the tweet that happened over the holidays. Wow. Really excited about that. Um. Yeah, I think... I'm not going to talk too much about it right now because uh, we still need to figure a lot of things out. But overall, I think we agree that we want to give this, this this a try. Um, and I actually, so the person is Danish. Um, he was uh, traveling over the Christmas break, so I didn't get to meet him in person. Um, but I did actually convince him to come to Spain and hang out with me for a week. Because <laughs> nice. uh, I had planned... Uh, wow to go to Spain for two weeks and work from this amazing place called Sun and Co, which is a co-living and co-working space that I've spent a lot of time at probably like hmm. half a year in total or something like that, which is awesome. You just check in like a hostel or a hotel and then it's in a big house and you just pay for however days you stay. And then they have offices and a big kitchen and, it's in a little cute Spanish city, so it's really, really nice. Wow. And, um, yeah, I just asked him if he would be up for coming down there for a week, and he was like, sure, why not? Wow. Where, so, where uh, is that? That is um, kind of right between Alicante and Valencia. Okay. On the Mediterranean coast. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's an amazing little spot. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. If anyone ever wants to go there, just ping me in a... I'll see if I can get you a little discount. That sounds. I know amazing. the owner pretty well. After going to Croatia, I, you know, I, I just realized how much it was my first time to the Mediterranean, and I just realized how much I love the water and the sun and the temperate nature of the whole. That, that just the Mediterranean Sea is just amazing. So I'm yeah, now yeah. curious to explore other parts of it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can't wait to see what that's like. Mm -hmm. And when are you going? Probably in like th two or three weeks. Cool. Yeah. Yep. Haven't uh, planned it all yet. There's a lot of stuff I need to figure out now, but essentially, yeah, I'm pretty stoked to be doubling down. Uh, That's great. And then just kind of see where I can take this. I also hired a writer yesterday, or we had our kickoff call, the okay. technical writer I've been talking about. Yeah. And his job will be in the beginning to basically write a lot of tutorials for hosting companies. Nice. Um, had a really cool chat with him yesterday. He's really good. Um, I told him I really wanted him to understand the vision for why we're doing this. Mm -hmm. And so I'm essentially I'm paying him twice what I'm paying myself right now. Um, so it's not like, you know, some cheap writer somewhere that you just pay to like crank out words. Um, it's someone who actually can write. Great. Um, and I talked, uh, I told him about my 2020 Q1 goals and the key results. And I was like, so three of them relates to what you're going to do. And um, I think he liked that, that it's more like mission driven or like, yeah. Um, yeah and he'll yeah. be on a retainer. So he will have a fixed set of hours every month okay. and uh, just kind of work on this. And I think yeah. there's a nice little flywheel I can start. Um with this content that he's going to make. I'll talk more about that when uh, 
when we share our quarterly goals. But uh, yeah, I think that's what we're going to do today, right? We both have spent a little time planning the coming quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it'd be nice to kind of share that with uh, with people and kind of like what we're thinking. Yeah, yeah. And what's the um, the, the hire you mentioned that's going to be joining you in Spain? What is uh, his or her um, role? So it's uh, it's very much, it's a developer, but okay. it's very much a front-end profile. There's no, so what I said is basically there's a, like I'm doing everything right now. So I want someone to help me do a lot of things. Essentially, so I have like 10 different jobs right now. So like I could hire someone to do one of them or two of them or three of them. So mm-hmm. it kind of depends a lot on the profile, but he is a developer and he's primarily interested in the front end side, which is where I need help a lot. And okay. then he's also, he, he can also design, which I think is like the most killer combo. And what yeah. I said, like on our last episode is I want someone who can basically code like Taylor Otwell and design like Adam and Steve. And that's, like, yeah. I don't expect someone who could do that on day one, but I, I, I want to find someone who, who aspires to do that. And that's very much him, I think. Um, so I'm, I'm just super excited that I found him and nice. um, very much just like went with my gut feeling and was like, I, this, I think a mistake a lot of people do is they expect output very fast. Mm-hmm. Like they expect that you can hire a developer and then they'll be productive in the first month and they just won't. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I said that they would, I'd call myself a a bad developer because from my experience, it just takes a while before you really start to be productive. You should see results in the first month, of course. Um, But it takes a very, it takes a long time for someone to be comfortable and, and actually take, you know, create more time for you to do other things. Um, That's also why it's important for me to sit down with him for a week in person and actually have a lot of time together mm-hmm. um, just to kind of like set expectations and get things started. Nice. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Seems smart. And is that person full-time, temporary contract basis? What's the Almost full-time like? is the plan. Okay. We're going to do like a three-month trial, I think, and okay. then we're going to decide uh, what the setup is going to be exactly. Um, Got it. But yeah, so the thing is, I can't, and I mentioned this, I can't really afford that. Um, mm. But one thing I realized is essentially when I was being 100% honest with myself, trying to raise money to do this up front was probably a way for me to try to ask permission instead of just doing it. Yeah. Because um, it obviously it would be nice if someone said, here's some money, do this. Um, but I realized if I just do it and kind of fund it myself for the first maybe three months and it works out, I'll have a much stronger case and I have more skin in the game, which I think is important. Yeah. Um, he asked me an interesting question. So he said, I explained this to him and he was like, so what if we run out of money? Um, what's the plan then? <laughs> and I think he liked the way I replied. But basically what I said was if we run out of money um, and we can't um, afford our salaries anymore, it's probably a pretty bad sign. Um, if, we, if we're on our way to run out of money and we don't change something dramatically mm-hmm. and start thinking about if we're even working on the right thing, um, then it's probably a really bad sign. And I think we should know because of course there should be money for to give it a good run and like maybe halfway through that run if we're not seeing the results like that's another thing i said is i'm doing these quarterly plans if we have like one or two quarters where we don't reach our goals like it's probably time to reconsider what we're doing but i want our relationship to be such that we really like working together and we work well together and if this thing doesn't work out we will either pivot it to something else or we'll work on something completely different. But ideally we would want to work on the next thing together as well. And my life purpose is not to build a continuous integration solution for WordPress. My, <laughs> my purpose is to build startups because that's what I'm really interested in. And I love that. 
I have a, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's worth dwelling on for a second. It's like my life's purpose is not this product. It's It's not, it's, it's, well, it's many levels above that, but even professionally, your purpose is not to build this particular startup professionally. Yeah. What I told him is long-term I'm, I'm going to do startups and I don't, I'm not long-term committed necessarily to this. Like I don't mind potentially selling it under the right terms mm-hmm. and I don't mind shutting it down if it doesn't work out. But long-term, I don't see myself doing anything else besides startups. So I'm I'm willing to invest in very long-term things for me as someone who builds startups. So that's like relationships and experiences and stuff like that. And so basically this hire hopefully is part of that. Uh, so it's almost yeah. like a co- co-founder. I think I used the word startup buddy when I talked to him. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, there's a, there's a couple things I just want to say, like you just said the word invest, like I'm willing to invest. Right. And you're talking about branch more as a vehicle, like an mm-hmm. instrument. Oh, definitely. Not a, this is my purpose. And I think, you know, I don't know how new that is, but in some sense, that is at the core of. I, I, it rings true for me. It resonates with me. Like the the thing you're doing, you yourself recognize that you're an investor, and you get to invest your time. You're not investing cash, but you're sacrificing, you know, pay, um, which is money, uh, deferred salary if you want. So you're investing time. You are not quote unquote just a founder of this business. You're also the main investor in this business and you're taking a ownership mindset about it and treating it like something that you own. And what does that do for you? And, and you know, your fiance and your friends and family, like it, it's a thing that's doing something for you. And I think that's just, it's a mentality that is really, it's, it, it's different. It can be seen as very different from, Hey, I'm all in. This is my life's work. This is my identity. If this doesn't work, you know, I'm a failure, whatever. Right. Like, and I think it's very healthy by the way. Um, but it's also just a more powerful position to put yourself in mentally, I think, than, than, than the alternative. So honestly, when, when I hear people and in our community, that's a pretty common thing. People say, I don't know why I would exit my company or why would I sell it? Cause I wouldn't know what else to do. Uh, this is like, I'm doing this cause I love this and I want to do it forever. It's so I'm, I'm, when I hear that I'm inclined to think that people are saying it cause they think it's cool to say that. But I think actually the, the reason I don't believe that they actually mean it is because I literally can't relate to it. Like <laughs> I have a million other things to do. Like if someone would give me a a big pile of cash for for this business so I could just like do another one or do something else, that that would be amazing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, obviously they think if they think that's a fair trade, like they're really jazzed to give you this money. And then you now have to figure out what to do next. You're not, you're saying you wouldn't be uh, disheartened and downtrodden to say, oh man, I was out of, I'm out of ideas. That's all I have. And, um, Why would this be my last idea? This is like my yeah. 20th whatever thing I'm trying to start. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's great. I appreciate the detour. Just <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I think he, it resonated with him as well. And he was someone who wanted to learn more about startups and, and be involved in that. So I'm really, I'm really hopeful that this is going to work out and, and, but yeah. We'll see. I'm very much going with my gut feeling. So like I didn't send him, like I didn't ask him to do um, fist bus or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. I just kind of like trusted my instinct and decided that it's it's better just to like give it a try. And then worst case, I'll lose some money. Um, but then I'll probably learn something as, as well. Um, it's a very good challenge for me because I'm very mm-hmm. impatient. And I know that that's the wrong, like I know that's going to be the main challenge. I know exactly how it's going to feel because I tried so many times to be in a situation like this, where it's like a week and I'm like, this is never going to work out. That, that, that person is never going to do this thing the way I want them to do it. And that's not that that's not the point of it at all. The yeah. point of it is getting to know each other and work together and kind of like get 
in sync somehow and it just takes a long time to get there um mm -hmm. yeah we'll see if going to spain for a week helps it will uh it's interesting i i was recently thinking about the the micro retreats um that sherry walling and rob walling uh, have talked about and uh i was actually thinking that where you go to do those probably affects the output mm. of that like so i was just imagining for a second like imagine taking one of those to you know hey uh remote team let's get together in um manhattan right and do go to the we work there whatever co-working space you want to pick on and and uh or pick <laughs> and uh let's meet there versus let's meet in you know chattanooga tennessee or let's meet in london or let's meet in spain right on the mediterranean coast i bet the results of your team time whether it's just you or with others i bet you it's different based on where you go like i, I it's very hard to split test reality of course but i have a feeling that affects things um so the yeah, cool the cool thing about the place in spain is i've spent so much time there and it's i use it as almost like a like a gateway drug <laughs> so mm. i go there <laughs> and i have it i have a routine i know exactly what i eat for breakfast there i know exactly which restaurants i like bars i like i oh. know exactly which walks i like to take when i get stuck with something when i need to think i i connect to the wi-fi they have fiber so it's super fast i know mm -hmm. which chair i like and you know i just go there and then yeah. i'm just instantly productive and excited and yeah yeah this there's there's a lot to this like i and this this could segue into oh, i'll bring this back up when we talk about my goals but part of the reason that um i chose british columbia for the vacation this december was i had never been there before and I really wanted to get away and feel like I was away. And I wanted as many new yeah. stimuli and scenes as possible. Yeah. Like part of me was like, I want to go skiing. So let's go to Colorado and go to the place I've been because that's kind of helpful. Like, like you just said, I like the idea that I know the drive. I know the, I know the town. I know where to stop for groceries on the way in. Like I know all that, but I, I deliberately wanted all that to be different. And I, it probably contributed to being more uneasy but also more unplugged because like I had to refresh, I had to learn all these new things, but um, yeah. So back to the point, like, yeah, you know, this place, so you get to skip maybe learning some of those other things and like hit the ground running more and be more maybe like productive sooner because you're not learning, you know, how to get around and some of that stuff you just mentioned. So, yeah, um, it's really, I, I love thinking about how to hack, how to hack our brains in this way from like a productivity and just your mental state, you know, what that does for you as a founder. It's, uh, I know you yeah, do. It's one of those, well, yeah, and it's one of those, uh, I mean, it's one of those privileges maybe of being, you know, remote solo lifestyle, whatever, you, whatever you want to label it as founder is that you get to work on these levels and not just take what's handed to you. Yeah. Um, it's an advantage. So cool. Cool. Um, Q1. So, so yeah, let's talk about Q1. Ready for it. I think so. <laughs> so uh, do you prefer to go first or do you want me to start? Uh, go ahead. We'll roll right into, yeah. Okay. Hey, before we do that, do you want to remind people about the OKR methodology we use? Because you introduced me to it and apparently sure. I wanted to keep using it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is a, it, it can be a very simple structure um, or you can go, you know, very far with it. The simple um, concept is the O stands for objective. So it is a, um, it's a statement of, it's a goal. It's an objective. It's a, what do you want to accomplish? Right. And the, the nice part about it in this framework is it, it can be, and it's actually to some extent encouraged to be uh, qualitative or, um, you know, it's, it's something that you can just say, like, I want to be arrived at this point, right? And it doesn't have to be numerical in and of itself. Like, it can just be, well, well what was yours for Q4, actually? Um, it was, you wanted to build a an engine, yeah. right, for, I believe, acquiring? Yeah, it was related to basically marketing or, like, yeah, acquisition channels, but also mm -hmm. self-serve, right? Yeah, yeah, and that... That in and of itself, if you just stop there, 
you could get to the end of a time period, like in this case, 90 days, a quarter, and say, did I really achieve that or not? Um, I kind of am acquiring customers. So the second part of an OKR is the KR, which just stands for key results. And you want to pick three to five um, measurable measurable goals, let's say, or just measure, measurable milestones that you want to hit that in aggregate, you look at those and you say, yeah, it stands to reason that if it's true that I've hit these numbers on these dimensions, then I have built an acquisition engine or you know customer revenue engine or whatever it was that you stated in your objective. Um, so you have essentially one non-numerical objective and then three to five numerical uh, statements down below that you want to hit. Yeah. Um, and, and, and also the key part is um, measuring how you're doing. And so for each of those key results, you will um, decide if they are uh, binary, meaning zero, zero, to zero or one. So pass fail um, or the goal is partial credit. So if you get half of them done, you know, or half of them, then you give yourself a 50%, right? And at the end of it, you know, the best score you can get is, is, you know, three, four, five, depending on how many key results you get. So you get one point per. Um, So that'd be like 100%, if you will. Uh, And the worst would be zeros for everything. Um, I encourage folks to do partial credit because most things are partial credit. Um, Other things aren't. Like if you have a goal of hiring a, you know, a VP of engineering by the end of the quarter, like you either hired somebody or you didn't. And so obviously there's no partial credit there. Um, but most of the things we're doing, you know, partial credit is a good thing because you're probably going to work hard on something. And even if you only achieve 80% of it, like that's probably way better than not achieving any of it. So yeah, that's, that's OKRs in a nutshell. And um, yeah, what I like, and that's like what it. I told the the guy I'm hopefully start, we'll start working with. I told him um, related to his question about like, what if we run out of money? And I was saying, so when we do these quarterly plans, we're essentially saying if this if we do this in this quarter, we're happy with the quarter. Like we did the stuff that needed to be done. It's great. And um, if we do that and we don't see the results, at least we tried and we had an overall strategy and we had a plan and we had the opportunity to adjust it as well, um, at least quarterly. Um, but in mm-hmm. practice, you probably do it more. And... So, like, we'll have a pretty strong. Um, we'll it will be pretty easy for us to evaluate ourselves and decide if we should go like a completely different route because we can look back at our plan and see if we actually did what we were planning to do. And if we did that and we didn't see the results, then obviously the plan was wrong. <laughs> hmm. um, so yeah, I like that a lot about it. Um, nice. So when I look at my Q four, yeah. Um, I had four key results, um, and I'll probably give myself a two. <laughs> okay. um, but I didn't. So I did some of this stuff, probably half or maybe 70% of what I wanted to do. Yeah, I probably did like 75% of what I wanted to do. So the 25% of why I didn't get the results I wanted was because I didn't do 100% of it. And that's a very big part of why I want to bring on another person. Because uh, I just literally didn't have time enough to move the product forward. Because um, mm. I was so busy with business development and partnerships and talking to users and stuff like that. And the other 25% yeah. is probably from having the wrong plan or like the even doing the things I said I was going to do wasn't enough to get the results I wanted. Um, mm. So mm-hmm. o- overall, I'm... I'm pretty happy with it. Um, I think the most important thing is I I managed to get a lot of buzz about the product I launched, um, and I I almost hit my my goal for organic traffic. Um, and also I got the paywall up and kind of proved that the self serve can work its own on its own. Like people run out of builds and then they upgrade. I have a very little data set, but I feel like I proved that it can work at least. Um, but yeah, I think so. My Q1 plan is very, it's kind of like the result of all the stuff we've been talking about for the past few weeks in the podcast um, about early adopters, product market fit, positioning, stuff like that. Um, 
So very much what I've realized is I think the problem with branch right now is that it's, it, it can do it all. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's just like, so I was describing branch to someone and I said, it's almost like a computer <laughs> right now. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you could build a product for an iPad and sell that as like um, square to accept credit cards in the supermarket or in store, but it's not the iPad you sell. It's, an app that's on the iPad or like a use case, right? But it's almost like branch right now is the iPad because it's so, it can do literally anything you want it to do. Yeah. Um, so I realized it's more important than I realized to position it more, uh, have a more like tight positioning yeah. and then make a really awesome product for for that vertical in the market. Um, yeah, I mean, I my favorite and I, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, there's a article um, that I wrote about this and it has to do with just, you know, this based on another or inspired by another article that I read. Essentially you can have the Nintendo, right? The original Nintendo back in 1986, seven, um, I want to say. And it's like without Mario brothers and duck hunt, yeah. right? Like what would that have been? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it would have been like, this is an awesome console. Uh, we just need, killer games for it and like i think startups can die when they build a killer platform console but they don't self-develop like nintendo had to decide they were going to develop the original killer games for their own console and then that started the flywheel spinning where of course lots of other people wanted to create you know amazing games for it Um, and those will be like your other use cases and features but if you stop with the amazing technology and don't apply it you are you run the risk of nobody really wanting to get the thing because they're waiting for the killer use case to emerge. Yeah. So what I realized is branch is probably never going to be the best CICD tool. Um, but it's probably pretty close to being the best way to deploy WordPress. Hmm. Um, so I really want to play around the positioning more. So my objective for this quarter, I wrote it down as develop and position branch to be the best in the world and have product market fit within a given vertical. And the best in the mm-hmm. world part is uh, kind of taken from Seth Godin. Um, so he talks a lot about both in the dip and purple cow about being the best in the world, especially in the dip. I read that over the holidays, strongly recommend. Uh, cool. Third time I read it, I think. Um, so basically what he's saying is, you need to be the best in the world. So either you're literally the best in the world or you zoom in, right? So you could be the best in the world for some people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then your life is probably going to be easier. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the overall plan. Then the key results I have are, first of all, to 5X the activation. I think that's the most important one in, in terms of like showing that the positioning works and that I have part of market fit. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is to, uh, Forex, the organic traffic, um, which I think is important because I don't have enough volume right now to actually test stuff and to understand like, so I want to do the obviously awesome thing. Um, but I just don't have enough d- data right now to really understand what's going on and why it's not working. And I'm not talking to enough people. So I just mm-hmm. want to build up the traffic because it makes sense long-term, but also right now I just need more people in the funnel. Um, I haven't seen a lot of results from the partnerships with the hosting companies yet. I'm still super bullish on them. And my third key result is to test adoption with 10 hosting, uh, I said ecosystems, because there are other like that are not strictly hosting companies, but there's still other tools that help you host WordPress like on your own server, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more I think about it, I'm still really bullish on the hosting companies. And I think they actually are my way to be really successful. So I want to double down on it even more. Um, the next, the fourth uh, key result is an MRR goal from strictly self-surf. So people that hit the limit and then upgrade. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the most, that that's the key results I feel least excited about because mrr goals are really weird because like what are you actually but yeah but i want it they're very they're very high level yeah right but i just i wanted something so that when i look Mm -hmm. at what the number is i have something to compare it to like 
basically I have sure. kind of recorded what was on my brain right now. Um, so I can mm-hmm. compare it to that. Got it. And then the fifth is to double development capacity. So that's obviously related to hiring. Um, and the person I'm hiring might not be 100% full time, but I'm also working with mm-hmm. at least one or two freelancers as well. So it might, it might be more than doubled actually. Um, yeah. So that's my plan. Um, I'm pretty, cool. pretty stoked about it actually. Um, nice. Yeah. Um, you're gonna put this in the, uh, or is it already a notion? I believe it's a notion. Um, cool. what I want to say about the hosting companies is, um, I think there is a flywheel potential there. Um, cause mm-hmm. so what I told the writer was I want to have really, really 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 strong content around how to use branch with these hosting companies and i want to build up this library um because it's it's too slow for me to make partnerships with the hosting companies and then wait for the results but by just um writing these guides even before i have an integration because even without the integration you can still use it with the hosting company it's just there's just a few extra steps it's a way for me to see one, if I can get the hosting company to share that content, that's a good sign that they'll be easier to work with. Um, two, it's a good way for me to see if um, if their users will actually start using the tool, if they'll want a tool like this. And right. three, it'll it'll tell me how like how they how the adoption will be within you know the the niche of the market that that hosting company works with. And then I think um, if I think it'll be fairly easy for me to get hosting companies because they told me they would do this uh, to share the content when I write it. And also probably people who work at the hosting companies. And since I can get these out fairly quickly and I'm pretty confident that I can get the hosting company to share them as well, I think I can create this perception that probably in the next three or four or five months that basically every hosting company has sort of endorsed branch by sharing the content and it'll yeah. seem like branch is the way that everyone recommends it, that everyone is using and kind of like, I think I can pull that off. Um, and I'm pretty, yeah, that's, that, that is, is a big, big part of why I want to do it. Um, smart. Yeah. I love it. it this is the, um, Jason Lemkin of Saster talks about having a mini brand, developing and um i like that you basically become known as the the way to do this thing if this is the thing you're yeah, trying yeah. to do um you're a little bit circular but yeah uh, it'll um, also be you're the obvious it'll choice. be so much easier to do the integration if we already have a bunch of people using branch with their hosting platform coming just from the tutorial um Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, the, the writer, what I told him is I, I want him to spend probably half his time writing new content and the other half, especially after a while, just maintaining it. Cause the thing is the product moves really fast and there are a lot mm-hmm. of different ways you can do stuff and screenshots are going to be very outdated very quickly. Um, and I think it's very important that this content is really, really good. Um, so that's why I'm investing in it. Um, and he was already talking about like how you can have like one overall article for one hosting company and then you can branch it out out to all these like different use cases and different like sub pages and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I was really excited about that. And I am, um, I hope it's going to pay off so I can spend even more resources on it. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, the, the, the written words, man, this is a great way to, establish that it's so scalable um and if the guy if the guy's a great writer it'll be <laughs> it'll be so yeah. worth it um we you know uh, that, that's the tough thing is sometimes you get people who just write these very superficial um articles they're fluffy but if you if he's technical or if it's a yeah. technical writer you know you can objectively evaluate the quality yeah. of that writing and i was like this is that's a this great, is a yeah. super core part of the strategy right now and I think that kind of fired him up, him up. So like this relates to three of my key results. So it relates to five xing the activation because people are going to be more likely to activate when they have a nice guide to follow. It's going to yeah. increase the organic traffic because 
it's going to start building up these links and people are going to link to it and it's going to show up in Google yeah. and we want to test adoption with these 10 hosting companies so we can start getting more integrations and stuff like that. And this is a key part of that. And he's like, yeah, that sounds good. That's great. I mean, that's uh, good, good management, good leadership where, you know, the, the total failure is not even helping the person realize how, what they're oh, doing yeah. ties into the, the mission vision. But, you know, you can also do that just by hanging out with them for a while and getting really excited. Yeah. I think taking the step of, you know, systematizing it and saying, here's these written down goals. Now that's even repeatable, you know, and if, man, if everybody knows how what they do feeds into the master plan, you're just going to have a much better, much better workforce. And also if he falls short, you know, we don't want that. But like, if he's not achieving, it's just so much easier to come back around and say, yeah, this isn't working because X, you know, it's very clear. Um, yeah, so, I have high yeah. expectations. He started out on his own kind of like initiative, writing out a document of or whatever. Some, I don't remember what he called it, some sort of documentation for how to write for branch. And basically how all the rules that you need to follow, the writing style, the how things are format, formatted and stuff like that. And he's like, I think it's just a good to have that as a starting point because then you know what to expect from me. But also if other people are going to do this later, they can follow the same style. And I was like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, yeah. man. Well, uh, yeah, so that's my plan. Sounds so good. it's time to start executing. Curious to hear what what you've planned. (laughs) Yeah. uh, So first go back and look at Q4. Um, The Q4 objective was to assemble an engine for acquiring and activating startups onto Summit. And do you remember I basically uh, leaned over and cheated and copied off your paper? Um, (laughs) And my key results for that had, you know, 100 new users per month connecting their metrics and building a forecast, 200. So that was one. Number two, 200 new signups per month, creating free accounts. Uh, number three was organic traffic going up uh, or basically doubling. And then number four was five new investor signups per month. So that's that's interesting. Um, so to score myself, uh, I would say that the quarter was a success in terms of building that engine for acquiring and activating startups. I mean, I had a lot of people really uh, downright enjoy the activation process of of self-onboarding um and it continues to acquire customers even while i'm on vacation i get an email that says three new startups signed up yesterday and and so forth so like it's working um and it's working without me putting in additional effort if i look at the numbers um 100 new users per month that was definitely true in november when i launched the thing um wasn't true in december because well i blame the holidays a little bit but i think it just you know i lost momentum because of the launch post-launch phase was just less numerically. So um, I did have hundreds of signups, um, but I don't think it's, I, I actually, <laughs> if you took November and October, November, December, you divided by three. I think I did hit this because I think I had over 300 signups, but it wasn't consistent. Mm-hmm. Like I think December was probably a lot less than a hundred, whereas November was a lot more. Um, so I gave myself partial credit for that, you know, People are doing that, just not quite at those numbers. Um, 200 new signups per month with free accounts. Um, I actually, let me distinguish. The first one is all about connecting metrics and building a forecast. I think that one, I did probably get half there. I think I had probably 120, 150 over the course of two months do that. Um, 200 new signups per month. And I can look this all up, but I just checked not that long ago. So 200 new signups per month, free accounts, same thing. Um, got about halfway there growing organic traffic by hundred percent. I did not I think the spirit of this goal was, was doubling organic yeah. traffic. And I did not, I did not do that. So I'm going to give myself a zero for that one. Um, and then five new investor signups per month. I had one, I had one, one sign up and one commitment. So I gave myself two out of five, which still feels pretty good. So if I look at the overall score, um, maybe one and a half out of, four, which doesn't sound good, but what's nice is like, I only fell short on the numbers. I didn't fall short on the, the fact is now these events are happening. Like people are signing up, they're connected to their metrics, uh, free accounts are signing up, organic traffic is growing slowly. Like the 
foundational stuff is happening. I just didn't hit the numbers that I was aggressively. Yeah, that's how I feel as well. Like Um, some of it is out of your control. Like even if you follow your plan, if the plan isn't Mm -hmm. perfect. Yeah. So the engine's there and it's running. It's just more of a V4 than a V6. (laughs) Um, And like, that's okay because I did not have an engine in October. So like, no big deal. Um, Q1 then is all about uh, retention and monetization. So now people are signing up and they're activating, but I do not currently have good retention of most free users. Some of them become power users and they come back monthly. Uh, but a lot of people sign up once they activate and then they don't come back. And the reason is, is that I'm not emailing them at all after, <laughs> after they activate, um, they stop getting emails from me. Whereas what I want to be doing by the end of the quarter is retaining them. Um, so I put 50% or better three month retention of free users. So if I look at a cohort that signs up in January, um, I would like to see more than half of them still using the product on a monthly basis in March or April, right? Um, and I think I can do that just by sending an email out that says, "Hey, we resynced with your with your Stripe and your you know with your Chart Mogul and your bank account once I launch that feature, and here's the new forecast and the new the new trends." Like I think if I just do that, people will click that link and they'll come back. Um, so I, I think I have a way of doing that, but that's that's one goal. Um, the other one is I want to monetize the startups that are using it. Um, I know the premium features I want to roll out with. I'm excited about. Like I've, I've um, figured out the tiering I want to do. So I want to have 10 customers by the end of the quarter um, that are you know happy and paying. Um, so that's, that's key result number one. And then, I'm sorry, number two. And then the last key result is I do want to raise an additional round of funding, um, probably 18 months worth of funding, given the fact that I'm also going to be growing revenue. And I really do want, this is not my Q1 objective, but my goal for the year is to get to uh, sustainable profitable sustainability profitability S- haven't nailed down the number yet but somewhere in the 20 to 30k a month range in revenue um and i think this this round of funding should get me there that's actually so, my goal as well uh, okay revenue. so yeah I'm, I'm looking at somewhere between uh, so on the fundraising i'm still in the range still still in the range land but the minimum would be 250 and the maximum would be uh, 400, 500, I actually don't want to raise more than, definitely not more than $500,000. But I feel like if I raise 250 to 500, maybe 300 is a sweet spot or something like that. Um, that's plenty of runway for me and some contractors or some extra help that I need, kind of like you're doing, to get me to where I want to go by the end of the year. Um, and I'm still figuring out on the fundraising strategy side, kind of what the terms are going to be and and how I'm going to do all that. But, um, but that's what I want to get done and the first 90 days of 2020 nice i think so <laughs> we'll see yeah <laughs> i'll be very happy if if i get there i mean now at that point i'm acquiring i'm activating onboarding i'm retaining and i'm monetizing like what more can a founder ask for <laughs> uh, like a <laughs> bunch of money and paying customers why not yeah i mean if this is running Yeah. If in March people are signing up, they're activating, they're onboarding, they're staying around and they're signing up, they're upgrading without me doing a whole lot. I'm a, I'm a happy, I'm a happy person, (laughs) you know, and I'm still a one man company at that point. So yeah, my, my plan is to try to basically be profitable as well by the end of the year. That's, that, that's my goal. Um, I actually also set kind of the opposite goal of like kind of like when i'm gonna like uh, just for myself i'm not gonna tell anyone about it actually but um basically when am i gonna not give up but at least like seriously pivot or start over on something different um so i set a goal for myself so i just so i know (laughs) and i think halfway through the year i'll review that and be like if i'm being honest with myself am i like which of the numbers (laughs) am I steering towards um, yeah. just to like be more realistic and not. Yeah. I, I, I love that actually. That might not be something that I write down, but I mean, <laughs> to me, if I'm still at, 
So, so that's the thing. Like MRR is tricky though. I'll go back to that real quick. Like you pick a number of MR on MRR side yeah. alone. Maybe these are, maybe this is actually anti OKRs, yeah. right? Like maybe, maybe it's, if you completely fail to reach these OKRs, you're not on the right track. Something's wrong. Um, and I think that will manifest itself as, uh, as a low MRR yeah. number. Um, but there's probably a world where you're at, you know, some MRR that's not super thrilling, but you're, everything else is working and that's where it gets a little gray. Yeah. I don't know. Like what I was thinking is if, if branch is still smaller than WP pusher by the end of the year, oh, will yeah, it yeah. ever be the thing I want it to be? Hmm. And it's not to say that I would just kill branch. It's just to say that maybe branch needs to be something completely different. Um, mm. Yeah, that's really, it's, <laughs> it's being honest with ourselves. Um, this is a tough, it's obviously a tough subject and, you know, but it's good. I mean, it's, it is good because it holds out that number of like, how do I know this is not yeah. working? And you don't want to give in to the, there's a sunk cost fallacy. And I think that goes back to what we were saying earlier. Like the, the sunk cost fallacy is this is my identity. This is, this is me. I am branch. And like, if this fails, I have failed rather than, Hey, if this doesn't work, I need to roll back and figure out the right way to achieve my personal yeah. goals. And it might not, it's, it's, this isn't working. This is what we talked about. Um, yeah. Two episodes ago about slow growth. It's kind of dangerous. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't want that. No, <laughs> I don't want that. I, I had that. I, I've had that before. It's, it's a painful place and there is an opportunity cost to these things for us as founders. And I think, you know, you're a very talented individual. You can be doing great things, you know, either for yourself or for others. And if this is just at some point, if this is sucking up a time, attention and resources, um, yeah, you can be throwing good time and money after bad, you know, and that's, that's the real risk is that, um, you can't recover that lost time and money at some point. So you want to stop short. Of that. If I didn't believe it would work out, I would just stop now and do something else. But I actually do believe that there is a way that this can work out really well. Um, mm-hmm. But I also just don't want to be delusional about it. Like I just, yeah. <laughs> my experience has taught me that it can also not work out <laughs> sometimes, even though you believe very strongly in it. Yes. Um, you know, this is where the, talk about the reality distortion field the, the founder is often the first one that deludes themselves right <laughs> and and then in some startups that becomes your mission is like through fundraising and everything else i'm going to go around and you know sprinkle this dust that convinces everybody else that you know i'm onto this massive thing and i'm i'm, I'm not yet but like if i tell enough people that i am then it's kind of self-fulfilling but that's a hard mm-hmm. let me tell you man that's my my road. expertise and, is being extremely excited about things that's that's what I do. Like, that's how, that's how you get investors. That's how you get people to work with you. That's how you get customers. And that's why people are True. confused when I, when I tell them, I'm, it's not like I'm extremely passionate about WordPress. Um, then mm-hmm. if I was, maybe I'd be a core contributor or something like that, but I'm not. Um, but I'm really good at being excited about stuff and it's something I use. Like, it's not something I do intentionally. It's unintentionally, but it's still something I know. <laughs> I know myself enough. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, I think you and I might have that in common. I think that's a common trait of a lot of founders is what we what we can do that is unique. And I think this is a founder. It's a founder esque thing. And and some people who have are, you know our employees have this too. They're just not using it in this way. But you truly believe in the fact that this can be something you see what that looks like and you're just building with the blueprint that's in your head and you're just kind of following the instruction set that's in your head that says this is what it's going to look like when i'm done and you're just building and like it's that creation uh was it ex nihilo it's that creation from nothing that in order to do that you basically have to convince people that it's real 
And I, I do think we're the first person in line to buy into those those visions, or else we wouldn't. If, do if it, it right. tips over and and I don't no longer believe in the thing, I'm very I I quit very fast. It short yeah. circuits very fast. Yeah, so it's very important. Yep. Like I know yep. instinctively, it's important to keep some sort of excitement minimum level. <laughs> Mm-hmm. otherwise it's just going to die and, I, and if it dies in you then it's dead it, it's dead no it, it is and i think that's part of the reason i have narrowed my key results for this quarter is i want to focus on that little kindling fire that keeps my keeps me confident that this is going to be something right like i could have i could have had a lot more you know but if it's like it's that 10 premium signups and retention. If, I think if I do those, I've got the little fire, right? And I can I can fan that. Um, if I don't have those, yeah, I think it's a similar feeling of like, I thought people would be signing up by now if they're not for the premium version. If they're not, then yeah, you kind of have to look yourself yeah, yeah. in the mirror and either pivot or, you know, do what's in the best interest of of uh, you and and those you uh, care about. So, uh, but I, I'm glad we're not there I yet. I say though, um, <laughs> so for our last episode, when you were skiing, I was spending like four days listening, th- listening through our back catalog. It's a lot of, <laughs> lot it's of work. It's amazing. I couldn't um, believe it. I, yeah. I fast forwarded many times, but like, I, I think I, I plucked into all the different conversations we had. Um, mm. I, th- I recommend that. And, I want to say that it made me really excited about Summit Um, because, you know, I spend like whatever many hours listening to you talking about it and I could tell that you were excited. (laughs) So then I became excited. The same thing about Branch. So it's a little hack when you have Mm. a podcast like this. Yeah, I appreciate (laughs) that. I I do. I I think I think for me um, going on the vacation that I did and unplugging to such a deep level enabled me to question like why I'm doing this, especially after I've already done a startup and achieved some level of success. It's like, why, why am I going through this again? And I I think the answer I found is like, it is the freedom, you know, to do the things that I want to do when I want to do them. And I think that freedom is so valuable that, you know, even to go work for somebody else or to go sign up for a different startup, it's just not the same thing. And, but I I honestly think like during that time, I kind of, I kind of question like, this is really nice. And if I weren't doing a startup, I wouldn't be as stressed out sometimes. And like all these, all these things would be better. But I, I do think I came back around and like kind of renewed my own sense of purpose in terms of why I'm working on this and doing this. And it wasn't about the premium signups or, or the retention or the, or the product. It was, you know, what, purpose does this startup have in my own life right like why am i doing this for me and my family and um yeah and so i think i kind of went all the way down to the bottom levels and kind of re-anchored there and now i can come back up and get really excited about the premium signups because they serve a purpose you know? scary place man it it, it is because you don't know like you might you might come yeah. out of that uh might come out of that hut with a very different conclusion. <laughs> but you know, one of the benefits so. of building one successful startup is that you get to plow all that experience into the next one, right? You also want to take advantage of that. Uh, I do. And actually, I, I have been spending a lot of time applying that in terms of this fundraise. And, you know, we could do a, maybe we should do a separate episode oh, on totally. fundraising strategy. You know, what I'm doing differently this time and, um, you know, just lessons learned. So I, I, I actually feel really good because it was only in the last 24 hours kind of bringing everything together of like, okay, I think I know the round I want to raise. And I think I know why I want to raise it the way I do. Um, because you raise on the wrong terms in the wrong way. And even that binds you in a direction sometimes that doesn't, um, that maybe doesn't fit your core purpose. Totally. We should do a dating, sorry, fundraising episode. Totally, totally. Well, I feel like this yeah, has been a good let's, one. Uh, let's stop at the hour mark. <laughs> okay, guys. Right. Talk to you <laughs> Thank later. Thank you, folks. Bye. All right. Bye, Peter. <laughs> <laughs>